Yes, Rosenberg Radio. I hope everyone had a great weekend. Let's keep this thing moving. You know, I try to put up some of the interviews that we do on Ebro in the morning, especially one like this that uh, I was fortunate enough to have this legend's nephew, I believe, hit me up and say he was going to be in town and he wanted to bring him through the station. So, yeah, the, the, the founder of Funk. George Clinton came through last week. Unbelievable conversation. Such a cool dude. Um, Shout out to everyone who's rocking with the show, by the way. If you are listening right now to to Rosenberg Radio, uh, well, formerly Rosenberg Interviews, changing it to Rosenberg Radio, please jump on the iTunes, throw me a comment and a rating so I can keep doing this thing. It's it's, Just go to your um, podcast app, go to reviews, click five stars, and show some love. I'm going to keep posting this new content and these interviews. This is up on the Hot 97 YouTube channel, but throw it up here on podcast form for you. George Clinton came in last week and uh, had an amazing conversation with us. Started out by talking about how how many times and for how long he's been coming up to this station to either WBLS or KISS FM. Always, always. Yes. Been hanging out up here for the years. You was talking about Hal Jackson. That's I, over. Okay, I, I thought I'd wake you up with that one. Yeah, man. I'm skip Frankie and all of them. Yeah. I'm going back, you know, when Hal was in WNGR. And, wow. And BLS was uptown. Wow, yeah, you've been man. coming up for that long, huh? Yes. And this is what the 1957. Stage, 1957. Oh, wow. Now is that that was, that was your, our first record. Well, under what? What was it? What Parliament. Was that? That, was, that was Parliament with an S. Really? <laughs> Do up in there. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So I wanted to go to that period because WBLS was in Harlem. That was um um. It was what was it called? The Sutton, Sutton's owned the radio station yeah, Sutton, then. Yeah. Percy Sutton. Uh-huh. Um, but. You, your music journey, and this is what I kind of want to paint, because as hip-hop kids that grew up in the hip-hop generation, mm-hmm. I learned about your music from my dad, and then obviously being it being used in so many things that made hip-hop great. Mm-hmm. So then we were able to look at the records and then go back. And right. Like, oh, my dad used to play, oh, that's that record. And you begin to learn, and it was, your music was kept alive. Right. Right? Um, I'm old enough to remember when the... I, I believe it was 1980 when Atomic Dog came out. When did Atomic 82. Dog? 82. 82. So I was seven right. years old. So yeah. I remember that. And they right. had a video show on NBC called like Friday Night Video. Oh, I remember Friday right. Night Video. Right. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, something like that. that. And I remember seeing the video. Right. Um, but how did funk, as it as we know it, happen when you started in a doo-wop group? Like, how did you find that sound? What came together for you? Well, we were, we were ambitious to be on Motown. That was our dream. By the time we got there, which was 66, it was too late. You know, the Beatles and Rolling Stone had already started invading the charts over here. So we had to make a change. And at that change, we did a song called I Want to Testify, which BLS and WRL, those were the first two stations to play it. You know, and so that was the beginning. We was late. Being Temptation was already the the doo-wop kings, and and it was late doing that, so we said we have to flip it and do something else. We saw them doing blues and rock and roll, which was the music my mother listened to. I said, okay, that's where they going. So we started doing what we call funk, which was the mid-tempo of rock and roll, which was fast, blues, was, which was slow. The mid-tempo, the nasty, was that New Orleans. Mm. Get out of my life, woman, to you don't mm. love me. That was the funk version. So we said, we're going to do that. So right between, so you guys thought about it that way, sort of, between blues and, and rock and roll. Yeah, we knew, you know, we Motown, I worked at the Brill Building. So I was a songwriter, so I studied songwriting. And who were you writing for in those days? Joe Bett. Mm. 
you know, we was on the ninth floor, had the whole ninth floor up there. And whatever yeah. artists would come through, they would and say, they hey. they need a song, we'd rush out and give them a song, you know, from Elvis to Johnny Mathis to anybody who needed a song. That's what the publishers would do then. You pedal songs. And so we said we did the, the <laughs> funk version. Our first one was good old funky music. And it happened just as the label was folding. It got real big. So we was on our own with no label, and I hit record. And so we said, we just flip it. We couldn't get out of the contract because we didn't know where the guy went. So we called the band, which was from Plainfield. We called them Funkadelic. We was the Parliaments. Our little brothers was the Funkadelic. They, you know. And so we put out a record called Music from um, Music for My Mother. That was the whoa, hey, I got a thing, and all those. Mm -hmm. And we it, it worked. You know, in the Midwest, Detroit, Chicago. What kind of stations started playing it? All of Detroit. Really? All of Detroit. We we knocked Motown off the charts in Detroit. Wow. You know, in Chicago, Cleveland, Pittsburgh. So we was in that era all the way up until we did I Bet You, you know, which Jackson 5 covered it, you know. Then we started spreading out. We kept on you know, doing maggot brain and all of the yeah. psychedelic yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We were underground group. We weren't even trying to get on radio then. Matter of fact, we were trying to be anti. And why were you trying to be anti? Because that was the hip thing. Underground, you know, right before FM became the thing, you had to try to get on FM. FM had all the rock and roll, jazz, and gospel. All album stuff. No 45s at that time. And then when... um. Bootsy came with us in 72. We started doing semi, um, you know, James Brown type stuff, slide type of stuff, mm. and the funk at the same time. And we saw it was working pretty good. So we did a record, Up for the Downstroke. Yeah. Which is a classic now. Was the first one that we actually got on radio a lot, you know, all across the country. So I guess what I what I was trying to understand, and for people watching, maybe they watch this video and they can go back and hear these records, right? Because I think we're living in a time right now, especially in popular music, where the underground music, as you articulated right there, is mainstream. Hip-hop yeah, was right. the street music of the 80s that now is It is the music. thing. Everywhere around the world, we saw that coming when, you know, after we did knee-deep, flashlight and all that. And they started to the DJs started being on the streets. See, because when I did Mothership, I remember thinking to myself, DJs can't play records and talk like they used to. Mm. You know, they used to get on, play a record and you dedicated to your girl and da 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 da. That was the whole thing. They had stopped doing that. So when I did W E F U N K, we funk, home up the action to me, I was literally biting Frankie Crockett to death. Yeah. You know, chocolate coated freaking habit for me. Oh, nobody around the country, they didn't know that because radio by then was playing five records without telling you who it was. Right. That had became the thing. So DJs was like off of the radio. They started showing up in the clubs. They started getting the DJ pools and everything. You start taking your records to the DJ. And what year is this? This would have been 76. Mm. And so you were actually trying, when you did that, you were trying to hearken back to the days of the DJ. Like, yeah. I'm, you missed yeah. the DJ. I missed the DJ. I missed the, that whole talking. Talking you know, shit. Talking shit. Yeah, you can say <laughs> that. Talking, <laughs> talking I missed shit. that. You yeah. know, that was 
New York, uh, Philly, Baltimore, Washington, Detroit, Detroit, all it had to. They owned the city. Um, Georgie Woods owned Philadelphia. He was the he was like the mayor of Philadelphia. You know, DJs was the, was it. So when they stopped that, they started becoming popular on the street. DJ pools and clubs started becoming that. Now, oh sorry, sorry, George. At this time, mid seventies, et cetera, is your crowd strictly black? Is it where where, where was we, it? Fan base wise, we bounced back and forth. We played both sides of that all the while because Parliament fans were still. We played Apollo. We had to play soft. We didn't wear the suits no more, but we chilled out all of the psychedelic and feedback and everything because that wasn't going to work there. So that's interesting for, I think, people to think about. Is So to play the traditional black venues, you had to kind of go more traditional yeah, and conservative. Yeah. And then if you were playing a whiter spot, we, you could psychedelic we out and get weird. We turned up loud and we had martial amps and we was rock and roll. And you know, wow. I, I talk about this sometimes because as a, as a kid that grew up with hip-hop music, and I've been in radio since I was 15 years old, I remember how many black radio stations did not want to embrace the street nah. music and did not nah. want to embrace hip hop. And that's weird. People are like, what are you talking about? Yeah, well, we had that problem with our regular music. We were too black for white folks and too white for black folks. But the people that liked us kept growing. That particular fan base kept growing until they became mainstream. mainstream. And when hip hop started becoming really popular, we were actually doing the the, the Funkadelic thing, you know, Mothership. Mothership Connection, the, all you know, that. All the Fred Wesley, Maceo, Bootsy. That whole thing was already established. Now, hip-hop came along. I put out a record <clears throat> called Sample Some of This and Some of That. <laughs> I give them slip, pieces of music with the horns out of the way, with the vocals out of the way. To get to you know all the different parts, so you could just take producer could just take it. He could just take it and just find or a, or a DJ could just find play, it and, and play, play the play. And that became that kept us right in you know in the mix. And I remember Africa Bimbada, we put out Uncle Jam, which had mm -hmm. knee deep on it. The first name on the record in our fan club is Africa Bimbada. Really? Because he had came to literally and explained what they were doing in Brooklyn, the Bronx, and all that with. The samplings of our record, we had no idea. De La Soul came to us, me, myself, and I. And I'm like, damn, that sounds good, shit. Yeah, do that. And plus, they had a check for 100000 <laughs> That'll help. That'll well, help. And you have, a, you have so much of the publishing on that, too, right? You've always but done I well. Ju I just got that shit back. I've never been paid for none of that Who stuff. Who had it? The labels had it? The publishing companies. The publishing companies had they it. They ripped, you know, we was out there, we was getting fucked up. So, you know, we weren't really wasn't paying enough attention to nothing but making music and, wow. and getting bigger. We didn't realize why we out there getting high and then going crazy. That there was money just floating away. Flo going I wanna, everywhere. I want to take this moment because this has happened on a couple of conversations we've had up here when we had Sister Nancy up here. That's right. Um, who never got paid from Bomb Bomb. No, I tell you, she never got paid until like most recently. Of us, most of us did. I like want to say to the ago. young producers watching this, and this is an opportunity for us to make sure we take care of our elders and people who gave us great music, because with the popularity of hip hop right now, with knowing that you own these records again, you own them all. But not most of the ones that that um, there was hits. I always own One Nation, and. Um, Knee deep, that okay. those albums. But I've been fighting my own lawyer for 
for three, four years, paid him two and a half million dollars. He was defending me, but he was taking it. Damn. So I got it back from him. I paid that, got that. Right now, Childish Gambino, the song they got. Oh, yeah, that's right. The um, 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 Redbone. Redbone. Is, um, Redbone. Yeah, yeah. yeah I'd rather love you. This is the first yeah. time that I've ever been in the mix of even thinking about getting paid. Like while the song is out. You're while old. it's out, I found the contract that had my name, Bootsy, and Gary Cooper, who's with us now. I found the contract. And so I told them, here it is. And so they stopped the record. They was cool enough to stop the record, stop the, nobody from getting paid till I get paid. So right now is the first time they're even considering paying this. Well, congratulations, because that was a good one to get it on. Oh, that yeah. record is a smash. <laughs> oh, believe me. And it's going to be around forever. It's going to be around oh, know, forever, right. yep. Most of us. Stay woke. <laughs> and they flipped that night. They flipped, they flipped the that night. night. They flipped yeah. the night. You've all, yeah. It's just, I think it's so amazing that you always, even when you, sadly, even when you weren't getting paid, you always recognized that hip hop could keep you hot. Okay. Instead of fighting it, you just went that with was it. My, it, would, it was going to be that, or it was going to be 20 K Tail package songs on TV. Right. Mm. With your song mixed in it, and you weren't going to get nothing for that. We already knew that. You see those oldie but goodie shows, you don't get paid. So when hip hop came, hip -hop came along, they the people started talking to me. I know how to get in if somebody mentioned my name. I know how to get in the game. And do you remember, Ebro? I remember, and I, Laura, I'm sure you remember this too. When I was in high school, I'm 38. So when I was in high school in the late 90s and in college in the early 2000s, around that time, this is now post Snoop Dogg, et cetera, when yeah. Snoop's already started, mm -hmm. all the like white stoner kids. They all started going to your shows. Yeah, everyone would all start. George yeah. Clinton started playing the festivals. Yeah. everyone wanted to get into George Clinton. So you really had a whole second run of fans there in the nineties. That was the third time around. Third time around. That was the third wow. time around because it really started right. You know, doing the um, Atomic Dog. Right. You know, when it really everybody was sampling Atomic Dog and tear the roof off. Everybody was sampling it. So we got a big. You know, push back in that time, we did uh, do fries, go with that shake, you know. <laughs> and we made records with Ice T, Ice Cube, Bob Dre, Gun with uh, Cube. Cube, yeah. 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 Tupac, 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 yeah. Oh, Tupac, when he was the dancer and De La Soul was trying to be a band. You know, oh, you talking about Digital Underground? Digital yeah. Underground. Yeah, they were all out together for Tommy Boy. But yeah. Shock G sampled a lot of lot yeah. Of that's what I'm records. saying. Yeah, we knew them before they were even rappers. They yeah. were trying to be a band, right? You know, when, well, because Shock G's a, a jazz uh, yeah, trained, trained jazz yeah. musician. Yeah, two or three of them played keyboards yeah. in the group. Yeah, so we watched them flip. You know, and Dre them was they borrowed our name, Uncle Jam Army. That mm. used to be their club, their little disco club, and we go there. When we put out a new record, just to show them. So, um, Mr. Clinton, was it understood that what Parliament and Funkadelic and Funk was doing, was it universally understood in black America in the streets and in the hood, what you guys were giving musically to culture at that time when it was happening? Because it always feels like when you talk to the OGs about funk, it was universally understood what that music meant. At the time. Well, the kids in college basically did. They were the only one analyzing, you know, the theory of making records with samples or mm -hmm. even the new music coming out being samples. You know, we all did it on the radio. You played to a track when you was on TV. So it was easily understood, but 
putting a record out like that. Nobody didn't know what it entailed. So when somebody said, that's my beat or that's my from my song, they didn't know how to take it. Whether they being mad at first or glad. We tried to set the stage that we were glad that was being you know, included in what was going on. And we just got in there and helped, which we didn't look like old fools trying to still hang out. No, no, it was just, you, hey, you could use it. We, we could do go. it. And plus, it was, we had our own thing of psychedelic, which everybody still looked up to. We went out of the country. We was like Jimi Hendrix. You know, we were like, rock stars don't don't go nowhere in most countries. We the only one having like fast food. You hit for, while you're on the charts, and when you're off the charts, if you ain't got another hit record, you're out of here. Mm-hmm. You can actually have a career, you know, a lot of places, just being able to play and perform. So what other countries were you were you really big in? Everywhere? Pretty much everywhere, yeah. Is there, Especially is there, Europe. Is there a... Um, I'm starting, I sort of feel like maybe the line of you were saying the college kids really were the ones digging in. Was it weed heads? Was it always weed It was heads? always, it it was was always heads, druggies. Right? Yeah, the oh, druggies no. always oh, got shit. it. Oh, you know, we we flipped when we first took acid. We left here thinking we was going to be pimps and shit. You know, we was wearing suits. <laughs> I worked in a barbershop. I did hair. So we made motherfuckers cool. You know what I'm saying? We we knew what styling was about. That was no thing. We made the people that look cool. Well, when we see pictures of you and so you're like, damn, Jordan must have been really high when he did that. The answer was yes, oh, yeah. you, you were. Right. Oh, it's higher than that. <laughs> that was like, that was a prerequisite. We, <laughs> it took me 35 years to get back down. You, you know, just got back. I, five years, six years ago. <laughs> he just touched down. Back. Welcome back, man. We're welcome happy to back. have you. Like, hey, welcome back. Your wife. Like, yeah. she, she brought you back. Yeah. Come, on <laughs> come on home. Nigga, please. Come on. <laughs> it's been a long time. You're too old. This shit don't even work no more. <laughs> <laughs> you know, drugs was not good anyway. Yeah. They had yeah. started making money off us. See, when we started doing drugs, it was always, you want to share a joint? You want to share a tab? Everything was cool like that. But after they got commercial, after Woodstock, hey man, twenty dollars a lid, and yeah. ain't no telling what's in the lid. Yeah, a tab. Yeah. I wouldn't dare take a tab of what they got out of here now. When was the last time you you popped a random tab? Not even quite oh sure my what it was. God. If you remember that, you didn't pop a good one. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. No, that, that would have been seventy-one. You seventy-one was the last time you popped it, a good me, one. To me, it was over after Woodstock. Really? I read this when you know after Woodstock, when it started being commercial, mm. that's when you had to start getting scared. Yeah. So acid, yeah. I quit that. And I was nothing. I was, you know, you know, smoking weed, you know. But, but no more trips. No more trips. No, no. I mean, the trip I took was worse. So at least the trip you took on acid was beautiful. Even ugly folks was beautiful. <laughs> when you started fucking around with crack, everything is ugly. Bad, it's bad. Everything is ugly. You yeah. know, and you didn't realize it. it was mainly for money. But once you're in, it's too late. You're reaching for it every time. You never got it again. What years was that? Early, mid-80s? From, from 81, 80, 81, 82. And how, and how bad did it get? Oh, bad as crack can get. <laughs> well, I mean, I, didn't, I wasn't one of the kind that knew how to that steal. I was too paranoid to steal. You know, because, you know, you know that's, it's all about paranoia. Yeah. You know, that is the high. But certain things, if you know you fucking up, <laughs> then the paranoia is fear. You know, that's the way I looked at it. So, but it takes a long time and a good reason. And the reason was 
I was beginning to mess up music. Mm. When you start messing up music, then you're messing up everything. That's the way I looked at it. How were you messing up music in your eyes? I wasn't putting nothing, putting out nothing, you know, the way I should. I put out one album in 10 years. We were still working everywhere. But I didn't know how to get, couldn't get on radio. They don't play no 50-year-old people records. There was no place to come in at. When I realized that, okay, this internet, this YouTube, I can work that. I know how to make faces. I know how to be funny. I know how to make music, whatever they're doing. Once that happened two, three years ago, we did an album called First You Gotta Shake the Gate. Ain't that funkin' kind of hard on you. Kendrick Lamar, Ice Cube. After we did Kendrick's record, I had him do one with us, him and Ice Cube, and we back on the air again. Yeah. Everywhere. You know, <laughs> we got one one coming up now. Um, I'm gonna make you sick of me. Mm-hmm. That's when we debuted on the um, Drazenham show the other day. Yeah, on the pharmacy on Apple. We doing on the road. It's like we got the number one record already. You know what I'm saying? It is so hot. We played last night in Brooklyn at the Boiler Room. Mm-hmm. It's a club place. They, you know, my wife she play records, and I get up there and clown on. You know, you're a DJ. There you go. <laughs> you know, so we just be clown and. People let, let us get away with things that they probably wouldn't let other people get but away with. I think everybody's just genuinely happy to see you because without you, your mind, Bootsy, um, and, uh, and you know, everybody, Gary Clark, everybody that was involved in making those sounds, a lot of what we have today, my job, everybody, everybody in this room, we don't have, we don't have, mm-hmm. right? The um, Even with the, 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 the spaceship on stage, right? Like, the con- that concept for black artists going that far creatively. That's why we have a Kanye West who puts a mountain and a Yeti on. Remember he had yes. the abominable snowman or whatever yeah. that was on yeah. stage or the yeah. floating stage and just those theatrics yeah. uh, for black artists. Um, we didn't have it before Parliament. You know, we right. didn't have... Right. right. I, I was imitating, like, the Who, the Beatles. Right. You know, those had those big productions. I said when I did that show, Mothership... I wanted a stage show that was bigger, not only than black, any blacks had ever done, but any whites had ever done. Tear the Roof Off was such a big record, and I had a guy, Neil Bogart, who was a promotion man. He knew what it was like to hype. He knew what it, so I said, if I buy the spaceship, you you promote us, we have a team going. How did you move the spaceship around? Was It, it came two, apart, you put it on trucks? Two, yeah, two came apart. We had two semi-trucks. Wow. We had that whole... Production. And what year was this? That was 76. The show you see on the Houston. Yeah. That know. was the Astro? Is that what no, it's called? No, that's the, it was the Summit. Su- Summit. The Summit. It's Summit. actually Summit. the church now that you see that. Oh, oh that was his face? Yeah. Oh, that's oh, Joe wow. Osteen's church was that, where y'all was getting high at. It was the Summit. <laughs> That's good. We, we was we was having church then. Yes, you were. <laughs> that was real church back then. <laughs> oh. It was very spiritual. <laughs> yeah. Did you uh, did you have a relationship with Hendrix? I met him a couple of times. You know, it's a cheater when they first opened the cheater here. You know, I met him then, and but I watched him with King Curtis, the Isley Brothers. I knew he was going to be something. You know, when he was a blues player and guitar player, but he he ran out in tuxedos with no shoes on. Then they got to be something. <laughs> you know, you knew that. And when he did the record. <clears throat> And I saw all the amps he had, 
I had only seen one other group do that was the Who. I knew he had done something. I got that Are You Experienced record. I pondered over that for like two weeks. You know, I, I, I didn't know what to do with myself. Why? Because sonically it was so it was something, advanced. It, you could feel the blues in it. Yeah. You knew that, and you knew all the kids, all the white kids, at least, was loving it. Something's got to be going. And when I got it, wow, he's playing what my mother used to like, but he's playing it loud. And so we just started. So I got Eddie Hazel, who was 15 at the time, gave him the records. And for another six months, we were doing Free Your Mind, Your Ass Will Follow. Right. Oh, wow. You know, I didn't know that that all, came after. Oh, that. we took about three or four tabs, all of us, and did the whole album in three days. Got highs. Just got it in, just didn't come out. Until it was right. Until it was who, right. who do you, uh, who do, in your eyes, in George Clinton's eyes, who do you view as the, you know, two or three of the greatest rock bands of all time? Who, who are yours? Oh, it sounds they, like the Who is right there for you. Oh, no, they, they wasn't even in it. They just did it first. Okay. <laughs> I mean, you had Led Zeppelin's. Um, that's good. The Beatles first of all, for, for songwriting, you know, musician. They wasn't like the rock band that that I would go to see jamming. But, but for, just for a songwriting, songwriting and all that, they hands down. But Led Zeppelin, oh wow, it's it's hard to get many of them up in there. And what and what hip hop? Jimi Hendrix, of course, is that band would be the first in it. But the far as let Led Zeppelin just sound like Funkadelic loud to me. That's right. And what uh what hip hop did you did you end up really taking to? Oh, I took uh, I mean public enemy. Like I said, I knew most of them when they was done Digital Underground and Drain them. I watched them all put their thing together. But only after that Rakim is my heart. Him and Eminem ain't you, you, you Eminem when he was fifteen in Detroit. His producer produced one of the albums with me. I, his producer, his first record was done with me. Wow. The, the uh, Bass Brothers. They wow. Were, they, they, he was in Dream Boy. That, remember the group Dream Boy? He was a the drummer. They produced Eminem. So him and Rakim was always, lyrically, I'm a lyricist. He couldn't do nothing with Rakim as far as I'm concerned. Still, I don't hear nobody do what he do. You know, there's a lot of stuff. Talented people, great. But him and Eminem, as far as lyrics, I would not want to be in a beef with either one of them. <laughs> you know, that, that ain't no fun. Do you, um, George Clinton, um, when you're wrapping your mind around where we are today in hip hop, um, what would you like? What do you like that's happening sonically, musically that you hear? And what would you like to see more of? I pretty much leave that up to I'm too old to be trying to go in the future, but I can appreciate yeah. what I do here. And I look at music from a lot of different ways. New York had 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 its thing and its style. West Coast had their thing. Atlanta, when they got in there, when the dirty South got in, they do just like we do on the dance floor with anything. They won't get off. I'm about to say they never left. They, they, so they won't leave. now. No, they yeah. keep flipping it and somebody new come up and do yeah. it. I mean, even with was Cardi B, yeah. I still hear Atlanta in that. Yeah, it is. You know, I mean, that. And she's from the Bronx, but yeah, it's I in know, there. But, it's, but in it's in there, there but it, and it's in there with New York slickness. Yeah. So she's doing it with the, I got this. Yeah. I don't care what y'all think about it. From the moment I heard it, it sounded like a little kid, you know, lyrically, and 
but she was doing it with that same kind of swag you do when you're walking down 125th Street, going to the parlor. She did it like that. Yeah. Okay, nobody said nothing about that. Everybody wants to do it a cappella. You know, so when I hear music like that, they keep define its length of time, how long it should be there. <laughs> I have to figure out what they doing, they trap this or whatever you want to call, call it. it. Whatever they call it. I'm partial to that. Now, underneath, I'm going to be partial to a musician playing, you know, so like Rage Against the Machine. They could sample their music make, and then learn how to play it. That was something weird that most people don't know too much about. Sampling and then playing the and samples? And then learning to play the sample. Not along with the sample, but actually learning to play. Yeah, they would chop it and then and, go up there and, and learn And figure out how to... What, what all that sound like? Speaking of uh, rage, were you were you Wu Tang fan as well? Oh hell yeah, Wu Tang to me is the closest thing that came to Parliament Funkadelic. You know, you had all these different personalities, and they all got their own records later. ODB and myself, we, you know, we was really close. Really, how yeah. close? Yeah, how close we got? Um, we did um, we did uh, a couple of flashlight. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, for the yeah. soundtrack or something. Yeah. Oh, oh yep, Buster Rhyme. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah, and, and um. Y'all was probably Q-tip. real high too, boy. You oh, I was. <laughs> when they when they came through, I knew, you know, they all like, oh, shit, y'all better give me that jaw guy. Cause they <laughs> they was the ones smoking at that time. They were killing. You know, and <laughs> you know Rizzo and I, we did a, a few things together too. With um a couple of groups. But uh yeah, they were the one closest to, you know, they had that whole we gonna tear this place. Yeah, they, they had a rock they and roll. Attitude, yeah, yeah. yeah they, I mean, they made hip hop into really pop, pop, pop. You feel yeah. like, you seem like a guy who a lot of times with artists as they grow up and and become um, older, they sometimes you feel for them like they didn't get their due. You feel, you to me seem like someone who has gotten to live to smell the roses and oh, like I'm really get the appreciation. <laughs> because now, if, as I'm getting it now. I really ain't got to go right here and run and try to find nothing. Right. <laughs> I ain't money's got, rolling in now. You I, ain't got, I'm sorry, I ain't got to run out here and try to find nothing for my habit. Oh, yeah. I ain't got this. You be preoccupied with that most of the time when you're young. You know, as soon as you get it, you're trying to get rid of it. I'm old enough now. My grandkids are all in the band now. They having a good time. They doing it. And so I'm having a good time just looking at people's face. Like, what the fuck you still doing here? <laughs> I love the... <laughs> Because I told my wife, I'm going to be here to see the face, the look on people's face when they say, damn, that music was out with my grandfather, blah, blah, blah. That's what we used to do when I hear Jimmy Henry. That was my mother's music. I wanted to be here like Jimmy was, and not like Muddy Waters, who was here at the same time, but wasn't getting taken care of, didn't, couldn't find how he fit in, mm. which all he had to do was turn his amp up. And he'd been doing the same thing Jimmy Henry mm. was doing. It was a matter of technology that probably too loud for him. But I wanted to be here when hip-hop and all the people would say, damn, that nigga's still here. And I'm having fun doing that. You know? That's beautiful. And knowing the, the style and shit, that, that goes around in circles. What they wore in 58 may come back in 2001. You know, So when I see things coming, 
They getting ready to do this. Oh, they getting ready to do that. Oh, we right on the verge of them putting them space boots on and leather pants. Oh, leather okay. Pants space boots oh, yeah. coming back. Trust me. We on the way. We, and we right really going to leave this time. I mean, I mean, And the spaceship is actually going to be able to take us to outer space. <laughs> okay, this time for real. For real. Yeah. We Hopefully. Okay. Now, we don't have to pop a tab. We yeah. actually start the engine. Oh, and, and, and go. And we I mean, go. it's going to be everyday thing, too. <laughs> I mean, the spaceship right now is in the Smithsonian. Yeah. It is? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. That's it looks amazing. good. Did you? I, I heard. I read an article that you guys almost went broke doing that, moving that spaceship around. It was very we, expensive. We almost went broke doing a lot of things because I <laughs> always did a big, even the, the underwater boogie. We had trucks and things, props forever. Yeah, I mean, I always spent money on that part of. That's probably why we it's so hype now because we PR it. I said to death, and we did it ourselves. The album covers. All of that was one theme, whether it was Bootsy or Horny Horns, Parlette, Brides. It all connected to Dr. Funkenstein and the myth and the whole storyline. The whole storyline. Yeah. I think y'all y'all was the first one to put a weed uh, rolling paper in the actual album, right? I remember yeah. that. We weren't the first. It wasn't the first. Cheech and Chong did it. Cheech and Chong did it first. Okay. That's the, yeah, they did the full they album did. size. Yeah. Bamboo. Yeah. Yeah, the bamboo cover. Wow. George Clinton is here, and uh, you have a book that's about to drop, right? Brothers be yo like George. Ain't that funkin' kind of hard on you? The titles were always very long. Oh, yeah, oh, the, the man loves very... a long <laughs> title. Groovinistic Psycho Alpha Disco Beta Bio Aqua Dulu. The labels try to tell you, like, you know, this is oh, a long album. They title. did that. They did that one time. We did that on Mothership Connection. He wanted to name it Landon in the ghetto. I said, people are proud of the ghetto, but you can't come in that stuff. And so once we did it and it worked, he said, I'm going to say nothing to you. And so we came right back with clones of Dr. Funkenstein. He said, what the fuck is a clone? <laughs> you know, it hadn't, DNA hadn't, Yeah. you know, nobody knew nothing oh, about DNA. Man, yeah. What sci-fi what sci was y'all watching back then? Star Trek. It was all Star Trek. Oh, they had more theories on the kind of ways you could live in the things you could run into in the world. That gave me a lot of room. And so, yeah, we went to Star Wars when it opened the first day. Star Wars or Star Trek? Or Star, Trek. Star Trek. I, I'm not Star Trek. But when Star Wars came out. You went to that too when it the came The premiere was at the Chinese Theater in L.A. Mm -hmm. It sounded like a P-Funk show when it came on. You're not allowed. Yeah. 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 Uh, they, yep. They, and they was talking about mothership. We had already done mothership. You think they stole from Eight you? Straight months. up, straight well, up. No, I mean, yeah, well, George know. Lucas stole George from Lucas Parliament. Biden. Well, no, Say he, it right yeah. now. Say it, George. The word. Yeah, oh, he know it. I, mean, <laughs> I, did, I did Howard the Duck for him right after that. Oh, That's really? True. That's yeah. true. Yeah. I did yeah. hear that. He brought you in for Howard the Duck. Yeah. But he didn't give you no piece of that Star Wars, oh, though. Yeah, he didn't give me no <laughs> That's why I'm down with what's the name Gambino on that. Yeah. Somebody say he's doing the Star Wars. Oh wow, full circle. Yeah, he yes. is. He's in. He's Lando Calrissian. Yeah, so he, he no, he gonna get a visit from me. <laughs> <laughs> I wants to go in the outer space. If they make that trip, and I'm still hanging around here, you go. You on the plane? I'm going. I don't give a fuck coming back. I'm gone. I love that. Wow, George Clinton. Uh, and there's a new album too. Yes. New album. It's called Medicaid Fraud Dog. You know all of this. Meds and drugs and meds, a whole one nation under sedation. The whole world, it, it's about drugs. Yes, it is. I mean, it's about drugs, whether they call it drugs or meds. It's I'm more afraid. I'm afraid. Of, I'm afraid of the pharmaceuticals and the meds than I am of the street drugs, because mm. they actually 
trying to make street drugs to appeal to people or get you hooked intentionally, even when it ain't addictive. I mean, like with cigarettes, wasn't that bad until they start putting all that shit in it. Then it became you, it's more dangerous. business. Yeah, now they got to keep you coming they, back. They got to keep you coming back. They, they get you hooked for, for a reason. You go there for a cold, you come out there with a habit. You go get your teeth taken out, get a root canal. They give you enough pills for everybody in your family to be hooked. You know, that's Medicaid fraud, dog. Medicaid fraud, dog. All right. George Clinton, give it up Thank for us. Thank you so much. A legendary man. conversation. Good to be here, man. I'm excited. I like being up here. We ain't play no music. Anytime you want to come, the door <laughs> is open. Play, pick the record. Let's play the newest record. Intro the record like a DJ, like old school. Oh, oh yeah, you like go. that. That's right. Let's I got go. Let's, go. I got Let's go. go. Let's get to it. I got to get you that record. I don't have no, that's all good. We'll, we'll edit, I'll edit it together. Okay, I'm going to send it to you. I'm going to make you sick. I'm going to make you sick of me. Then I'm going to give you the antidote, something to make you feel better. I'm going to make you ill. Then I'm going to give you the big pill, something easy to swallow. Hello. George Clinton, ladies and gentlemen. George Clinton.